0: We'll take our text from Matthew 16 this morning. If you'd like to turn there, Matthew 16, verse 24. The title of the message is Take Up Your Cross. Take Up Your Cross. I'm going to pray as you're turning there Holy Father, you know the burden and message you've put on my heart. You know the deep needs of everybody here. I've got a a glimpse of it because of what you've put in my spirit today, Lord, but I am so aware of my own weakness and my own inability. I need a special anointing from the Holy Spirit to be able to preach what you've put on my heart. So I invite you, Lord, come in a mighty way. Open the hearts of those listening and all who may listen later. Help me, God, to be used by you in Jesus' name. Amen. Take up your cross. Now, probably with me saying that title, your mind goes to certain places, and maybe you think you know what I'm going to say. Um, it might be different than what you expect. Let's go ahead and read the text. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Does that sound very nice or inviting? I've, I've said before, and I say it not flippantly, but seriously, Jesus wasn't a good marketer. His goal wasn't to market. His goal was to preach truth. And this was a particular case where he needed his followers to understand that there is a, a, a cost to following him. This, If anybody will be my disciple. He's saying, if it is your heart's desire... To be my follower, take up your cross and follow me. If any of you wants to be my follower, now I don't want you to raise your hand this morning, but do you want to be a follower of Jesus? If all of you say yes, you're not all being honest. Not everybody here wants to be a disciple of Jesus. I I don't doubt that everybody here who, who says you're saved, I don't doubt you're saved. But the first thing I want you to understand this morning, people don't talk about it, but not all children of God are disciples of Christ. Did you know that? There's a designation. There's a difference. There's a separation of His followers and His disciples from everybody else. There's going to be a whole lot of people in heaven. There's going to be a small group of people judging the angels and the twelve tribes of Israel. And I'm not saying I understand that. I don't. That's... that's We're going to see that unfold, those of us who know the Lord. But don't mistake that everybody who says they're saved understands Christ on the same level. That's the first thing I want you to understand. Not all children of God become disciples of Jesus Christ, and it is partly your choice. He doesn't force anyone to be His disciple. He doesn't force anybody to be His children. He invites you. He calls you. You repent, surrender, trust Him, He saves you. And I've seen um, very few Christians live a completely surrendered life. Myself included. There's moments and seasons when I'm living in a surrendered way, and those are the best seasons of my life, even if external circumstances are difficult. Amen? Is that true? Those of you who've lived it, maybe your life isn't the easiest, but when you live surrendered to the Lord... There is something special about that. And I don't live every moment like that. I want to. I'm I'm working toward it, working toward focusing on the Lord, hoping and praying that we'll get closer and closer. The other thing I want you to understand before we even look at the text, there are multiple causes of suffering. Three main categories of suffering. The first one we've talked about and I've mentioned before, there's a, a, a quote that I heard one time that captures it. It says, everything happens for a reason. Sometimes the reason is you made bad choices and you're experiencing the consequences. <laughs> the first category of suffering is things you brought on yourself. That's not what we're going to talk about today. Because any of us who are honest and mature enough to notice, I've heard people say, I don't have any regrets in my life. What a foolish statement. I've got tons of regrets. I don't dwell on them. There's so many things I wish I could have done different. I wish I would have talked to my wife differently yesterday. Just, I mean, there's constantly things I regret. Don't not have regrets. Live your life the best you can. Focus on the Lord and rely on His grace. The first category of suffering, and maybe a lot of our suffering comes from that. I've mentioned, and again, this isn't the message, but I want to get it out of the way. Sometimes people blame things on the enemy or on the Lord that they just caused themselves. Why'd the Lord let my car run out of gas? Why don't you put gas in it? I mean, I've heard people say things like that. The second category, this one is a lot more, it feels heavier to me. And this category, I don't think we don't give it enough credit. That is, your suffering sometimes is a result of a direct spiritual attack. Sometimes you are suffering because we have an enemy in the spiritual world that we call Satan who hates you. And he sends his uh, demons and his people to make your life worse. Sometimes your suffering is not your fault, it's someone else's sin. And we're not going to talk much about that category today, but it's true and we've talked about it recently. we talked about some of Satan's devices I want you to be aware of Him. But where God has drawn my uh, uh, heart today is this third category of suffering. Sometimes you suffer as a result of a cross God has given you to carry. That is suffering that pleases Him. That He is using to make you into a disciple of Christ. That is the suffering that we don't need to shy away from or be ashamed of. That is the suffering He will equip us for and help us with and strengthen us through and grow us through and in spite of. That is the suffering that we are called to embrace. Not suffering from our own stupidity. We don't embrace that. Not suffering from attacks of the enemy. We don't embrace that. We repel it. We can stand against all the fiery darts of the wicked one in the name of Jesus. But the suffering that comes from God, we can all take it on and say, Lord, if this is from you, you're going to help me. Because you have to, because nobody else can. That's the category of suffering I want to talk about today. Some of you have suffered in ways that you don't even know how to express. Some of you have suffered pain that you could sit down with a therapist for the rest of your life and tell them about and they wouldn't understand the depths of it. Some of you have experienced suffering and your main coping mechanism is to pretend it's not as bad as it is. Put on a happy face. Stay strong. Pretend everything's okay. Some of you have suffered and won't even give yourself permission to suffer. Those are the people that are on my heart today. Some of you, some people, um, some of your suffering is just a bad attitude. Sometimes you just need to get over yourself. But those aren't the people God burdened me to talk to today. God gave me a burden to talk to those of you who have suffered maybe more than you can stand. Whatever caused it. Whether it was a family member, I know what that feels like. Whether it was an evil actor, an abuser, people in here know what that feels like. Whether it was something that feels unfair. I don't know what the cause of your suffering is. In other words, I don't know what cross God has given you to carry. But if you'll listen to this message, He's going to help you today. The first part of this verse, and and by the way, let's look at the context before I go any farther. Um, 21st verse. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go unto Jerusalem, suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes, be killed, and raised again the third day. It says, from that time forth, Jesus dedicated this portion of his life to trying to help his disciples understand what was going to happen to him. Why? Because they were going to experience great suffering that they couldn't endure without preparation. This was a mercy to them. And... Good old Peter. (laughs) I love Peter. He makes me feel better about myself. He hears this. And like some of us might do, the Lord is teaching them and explaining to them the religious experts, the leaders, the chief leaders, the most important people, the ones who think they have it all together, are going to make me suffer. What the prophet Isaiah prophesied is going to be fulfilled in me, in my body. I'm going to suffer unjustly. I'm going to be murdered. I'm going to be buried. Peter says, it says then Peter took him. He, he, he pulled him aside. And it says, he, he began to rebuke him. Can you imagine rebuking Jesus? Sometimes we do that and don't even realize it. We don't re- we've done it. I've done it. Peter, we can just see it. It's there. It's visible. He, he takes him aside. He rebukes him saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not happen unto thee. We put that in modern English. This isn't going to happen to you, Lord. I'm not going to let it happen. They're not going to do that to you. Now, th- that that looks like a nice thing for Peter to say. I love you, Lord. I'm going to protect you. Though all men abandon you, I won't. If you go to die, I'm going to go die with you. That is what Peter said and how he felt and he meant it. But guess what? Him meaning it wasn't enough to help him fulfill it. Sometimes your good intentions aren't enough. Sometimes meaning it doesn't matter. (laughs) Because you don't have the strength to perform what God wants you to. This is part of the point that I'm going to get to today. You can't do it on your own. Now, Jesus, who, I've been dwelling on this lately, he didn't always say things that sounded nice, but he said things that were necessary and truthful and loving. Peter tells him, Lord, I don't want you to suffer. I'm not going to let it happen. Peter says, or the Lord says to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. That doesn't sound very nice. Do you understand what Peter, in his deepest heart, in his most pure desire, in his greatest love for his Lord, what Peter wanted to prevent from happening was the same thing Satan would have wanted to prevent from happening? And this is maybe just a side note. Sometimes we, especially parents, maybe especially grandparents or people who have people in your care, sometimes the greatest desire of your heart is to prevent suffering for somebody you love I don't want my daughter or my wife or any of you to suffer unnecessarily but sometimes in our desire to prevent somebody from suffering we are actually doing the opposite of what God wants to be accomplished in their life it pleased the Lord for Jesus to suffer do you understand that? I'm not saying God is mean or something like that, but I'm saying when His children take up their cross and follow Him and suffer, even when it's not fair and even when it's not your fault, that is pleasing to the Lord. And sometimes the worst thing we could do is try to prevent that from happening because God is accomplishing something in that person that can't be accomplished any other way. The Hebrew letter tells us it pleased Him, the Father, by whom were all things and through whom were all things, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Do you realize that? Jesus was made complete through His suffering. He was sinless. He never sinned. But it was necessary for Him to suffer so the purpose of God might be accomplished. And Jesus said it's enough for the disciple to be as his master. This is why I said earlier, some of you may not want to be a disciple of Christ. There will be suffering. It will be hard sometimes. But it will be worth it. So that doesn't sound very encouraging. It is if you understand it. And this message will help you if you'll listen. So Peter's trying to do exactly the opposite of what Jesus wants to happen. He tells him he's, he's Satan. He said, you don't savor the things of God but those of men. In other words, Peter, that desire that you have springing from your heart in the deepest place is not from the Holy Spirit or from God. It's from your own flesh. You're thinking about what you don't want to happen as a fleshly person. It sounds good, but it's wrong. Lord, give us eyes to see whether you're eyes that's what we need and in this context jesus says what is our text then said jesus unto his disciples if any man will come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me this first part of this verse if any man will come after me if it is your goal to follow christ if you truly want to be his disciple not everybody does And I want you to understand this because people don't explain it. You can still go to heaven if you're saved. The cost of discipleship is greater. There are all kinds of people who surrendered in the moment of salvation and they don't live a surrendered life. I'm that person sometimes. Is it your deepest heart desire? Is it? Can you say like David, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Some of you who've been through great suffering can attest. And you'll, tell, you'll say this is true. And I know it because I've heard many saints of God talk about it. Sometimes God's beauty is most visible in the midst of your worst suffering. Or in looking back on it. You see what God has brought you through. And you say, wow, if he brought me through that, he can bring me through this. And then what you've been through is a testimony to other people. You know part of why Jesus needed to suffer do you know so he could understand our suffering? That's what scripture teaches. We, we think of Jesus, he was God, but he was also a 100% man. I've heard people say half God, half man. Jesus was in our skin, he knew what it was like to be us, and he has felt it. And it was necessary so he could understand There was another place where Jesus told his disciples, everyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. We're time-bound, linear thinking people who live in the confines of this little world we're in. It's hard for us to understand that everything we experience in this life is like that. And then we have all of eternity to reap the rewards of this life, Or to experience the punishment of not doing what we should have done in this life. Isn't that something? We don't have the capacity to understand that. But I I want you to understand this is true. Everything you go through in your whole life, no matter how heavy, no matter how hard, it's all going to be gone. You're going to look back at it and it's just, it's gone. And then if you know the Lord, you're going to be in heaven. And the better you served Him in this life, the better heaven's going to be. Say, I don't know how to explain that. I don't either. I I, I don't understand it. But I believe heaven can be better. How do you get better in perfection? I don't know. But this life is preparing you for that. Every opportunity you have in this life to get to know the Lord better is going to be a a higher degree of Of understanding of him, you're going to have in the eternity. That puts our suffering in a different context, doesn't it? Lord, you're preparing me to know you. Now, I don't like suffering, I don't like being uncomfortable. Some preachers, they leave their coat on no matter what. I'm not going to stand up here and sweat if I don't have to. I don't like being uncomfortable. Sometimes you'll see me in the summer, I'll change in the parking lot and put shorts on. It's too hot for pants. I don't want to be uncomfortable. But there's something, I could tell you this in truth. I've never been through any suffering that was that third category, the cross God designed for me, that I regret. None. I didn't like it when it was happening. But this is why scripture can tell us, count it all Joy when you fall into this category of suffering because this is producing in you somebody who can know the Lord. So, we'll move on from that first part, but I want I want you to dwell on this. I want you to ask the Lord, do I really want to be your disciple? I can't answer that for you. Some days I don't want to be a disciple of Christ. I'm not going to lie. Because part of people's suffering comes from religious leaders pretending they're doing something they're not doing. Some days I'm faithless. Some days I struggle. Some days it's hard. Some days I want to give up. Some days I'm frustrated. Some days I'm sad. Some days I'm broken. But I've never regretted anything God has been with me through. It doesn't change that I'm human. Do do you understand? Do you all understand what I'm saying? It doesn't make the suffering any less hard. That's the point. It wouldn't be suffering if it was easy. The second part of this verse, let him deny himself. Jesus says, if you desire to be my disciple. The first requirement, it is impossible unless you deny yourself. Now, some people take this to mean, I'm going to stop doing the things that I would rather keep on doing. If you're stopping doing the things you'd rather keep doing, you're not denying yourself. You're just stopping doing some stuff. I've known people like this. Maybe you've been people like this who you 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 live a very austere, serious life. Some people think Christians are, that Christianity is all about what you can't do, can't have any fun, can't do anything fun, can't be happy. They don't understand. Some people misunderstanding teachings like this. If any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself. They take it to mean I've got to give up all this stuff. And then they live a life and they have this attitude in their heart. Lord, I gave up drinking for you. I gave up women for you. I gave up partying for you. I gave up fun for you. I gave up football for you. I gave up all these things I liked for you. And now what have you done for me? People sometimes end up that way. A resentful bitterness. Like, God, I did all this stuff for you. and My life's still hard. Some people are honest enough. Sister Carissa said this recently, and it got in my heart. To get to the point that you almost wish you could do whatever you wanted. It's not a good place to get. You're better to be honest about it than pretend that's not how you feel. Because God can bring you through that too. In short, some people think they have to stop living for God in order for God to be happy with them. Do you know that? Some Christians act like the whole goal of being a Christian is to stop living. <laughs> Those of, some of you know when God saves you and you try to live for Him, that's when you start living. It's not about the fun you can't have. It's about the things that are deeper than fun. And you know what? Sometimes it is fun. Sometimes it's fun to serve the Lord. But it's always something deeper than fun. Some people think they have to stop living for God to be happy with them. Some people think they can never disappoint the Lord. Some people have a view of God that is more like a harsh stepfather. Because that's what they grew up with. If I ever disappoint you, we disappoint God. He still loves us. And he, I don't think he looks at it as disappointment. Because he's, he's bigger than... he's. He's supernatural and and eternal and omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. He knows what we're going to do already. Knowing every bad thing you would ever do, He still chose to love you and save you. Unconditional love. You can't do anything to make God not love you. And you don't really start living until you follow Christ. It's not the worst life, but the best life. No wonder some people don't want to be Christians, because a bunch of us act like it's the worst way to live. Silly. <clears throat> Jesus promises us not all the things we're not allowed to do. He promises us fullness of life. It's so weird to me. People get into legalism. Pharisee, we got a bunch of Baptist Pharisees today. And other denominational Pharisees. And non-denominational Pharisees, people who think because they've created their own brand of morality that other people don't subscribe to, that those other people are worse. You don't know the condition of that person's heart. Some of you think you're right with God because you've never touched a drop of alcohol, but I've met people who have been alcoholics who are probably closer to the Lord than you'll ever be. Doesn't mean it's no big deal. But it's not about what you don't do. It's about who you know. And who you know changes what you want to do. Some people have adopted an austere or legalistic lifestyle in attempt to try to deny themselves. But Jesus isn't saying to just deny certain things you feel might be unacceptable to God. He's not asking you to establish and fulfill your own moral code. He's asking you to deny yourself, which includes denying your own moral code. I want you to understand this, church people. I love y'all. But in our, in our culture, part of the reason so many young people have given up on religion, and this has been true in every generation, part of the reason a lot of young people walk away is because what they've heard preached and seen modeled is an unattainable standard. I could never be good as brother so-and-so. I could never be as strong as that sister is. I could never stand... That's the wrong focus. And I'll tell you what, that person's probably not living an honest life. I'm so thankful I grew up with a few people around me who were honest enough to let you know they were sinners. And they still loved the Lord more than anybody I knew. That changed my understanding of God. Before you this morning stands a sinful man. Now I'm not out there doing scandalous things, but I sin all the time. And so do you. I don't want people to see me or hear me preach and think he's something I could never be. I want people to see me and hear me preach and say, He knows someone I want to know. He knows someone I want to know. A lot of people see this standard that they think is the standard of Christianity. They hear people preach. And and some of this manifests in this, it's very visibly unscriptural, but a lot of people don't realize it, this health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. If God loves you, your life will be easy. If you're serving God, He will bless you. If He's not blessing you, He's mad at you. That's the message preached on many television programs and in many churches across the whole country. Now, I believe God wants to bless you. Don't misunderstand me. He wants to bless you more than you can imagine. But... Material blessings are not the only evidence of the love of God in your life. Some of the people he loved the most ever went through unimaginable suffering. Take his son, for example. The most uneasy life anybody could have lived. Jesus. And it pleased the Lord. I don't want people to hear preaching and they do and I've, 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 I've talked to them and, and, and they listen to these preachers say that if you trust the Lord you won't have any problems, any sickness, any financial need, any just, God will just provide it all. And then these people, young people, they live real lives and they have real depression and they have real struggles and they have real pain and they start to say there must be something wrong with me, I'm not like that. Let me tell you what it is in case you don't know. It's because that is fake. That standard is not real. If you know the Lord or if you don't, you're going to have seasons of your life that are hard. We're all going to go through things that are difficult. And knowing God doesn't exempt you from being human. It didn't exempt Jesus from being human. He still suffered and so will we. Everybody suffers. Why shouldn't you? Why not? Everybody in the whole world suffers. Why do you think you shouldn't? I'm not saying you do, but if you feel that way, why not? You think you're better than everybody else out there who suffers? We, the difference for us is if we know the Lord, He'll help us. So, Jesus is not saying deny all these things or create your, uh, in yourself a righteous, religious person, or make yourself better than you used to be. It's not about yourself at all. He's saying, let him deny himself. In other words, if you want to be Jesus' disciple, the only way to do it is to deny yourself. Not stuff, not things, yourself. Abandon all self-reliance. Give up on anything you can do for yourself. We're talking about... Self-denial, which is, it, this is a thing with the heart, not with your body. It's not, you don't, you can't see into my heart and know how surrendered I really am to the Lord. You can see effects and results and you can tell he preached today in a way that God was in. You can, you can ex- witness things like that, but you can't see just like I can't see deep in your heart and know because only God sees the heart. Do you remember the scripture that says, Man looks on outward things, the Lord looks on the heart? That's what we're talking about. A changed heart which leads to changed actions, which results in a changed life. Here's the truth. When you know the Lord and when you're becoming his disciple, you say in your heart, I'm not the same person I used to be. Some people, they're basically just the same person wrapped up in a Christian exterior. Let's be honest. There's some people who say they know the Lord that aren't any different than they used to be. And I don't. maybe they know the Lord. I don't know if they do or not. But what I've found in my own life is if I want to serve the Lord and get closer to Him, He keeps on changing me. Keeps changing me. Keeps growing me. I'm not the same person I used to be. Still a long way from where I want to be, but I'm not, not who I used to be. You can say all the right things, go all the right places, wear all the right clothes, and be completely unchanged. God calls us to completely abandon all of our old self. We can be religious but lost. You hear me? You can be religious but lost. And you can be saved but not surrendered. I've seen it. The third thing Jesus says in this verse, If any man desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. What is a cross? I want you to understand, when Jesus told his disciples this in response to Peter's attitude that he shouldn't suffer, he hadn't been crucified yet. I don't know if they understood that's how he would die. David prophesied it. David talked about crucifixion before it was ever invented. You read it, Psalm 20, 22, 23 and 24. What is a cross? A cross is an instrument of suffering and torture. That's all it does. Jesus says, "If you want to be my disciple, you've got to take up a cross." Why would God say you have to pick up something that is designed to cause suffering? What is the purpose of the cross? There might be some of you, and I've alluded to this earlier, but I want to say it again. Some of you who've suffered more than anyone even knows, more than you even know how to describe. And maybe people around you, I've done this. Sometimes people talk to me about their suffering, and in an effort to help, I just try to diminish it. Like uh, you, you just need to have a better outlook; you'll be all right. <laughs> I want to be better about that. Some of you have suffered, but I'm here to tell you, your suffering's not in vain. God is using your suffering to shape you into his disciple. He's using it to empty you of yourself. He's using your suffering to bring you so low that you abandon all illusions of self-reliance. That's the point of the cross. He wants you to totally rely on him and you're not going to totally rely on him until you're brought so low that you know that you can't do it. The Lord, listen, the Lord is near to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Part of the reason you can embrace this third category of suffering, which is suffering that doesn't come from your own sin or silliness or from direct attacks of the enemy, but as a result of God's love for you, part of the reason you can embrace that cross is because God is using it to break your self-reliance and your heart and your spirit until you can rely on Him completely. I didn't say it feels good, but it is good. You need to understand, um, and I don't think a lot of us realize this, I just said a lot of bad things about a cross and how hard it is and that Jesus told you to pick it up and carry it. Here's the next thing we need to understand. You you can't carry your own cross. Do you know that? D- Jesus wasn't able to carry his own cross. If anybody in the whole world ever would have been able to carry it on their own, it would have been him. Because he wasn't a sinner. He had direct access to His Father. He could get power unfettered without the distraction of sin from His Father. And Jesus wasn't able to carry His own cross. Here, I need you to understand this. I don't know how to get it across, except I've been praying that the Holy Spirit would show you this like He's been showing me. He says, take up your cross and follow me, but He knows you can't carry your own cross. This is a, an apparent paradox. God has allowed you to have a cross in your life so it will bring you so low that you stop trying to carry it, and you say, you have to help me, and then He picks up the cross and carries it, and carries you. That's when you know the love of the Lord. When you stop trying to carry your own cross and your own self. You're not going to understand that until you get low enough. And it takes a lot of love to, to, to want that to happen to somebody you love. To love him enough to understand that the temporary discomfort is worth it. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Lord for Jesus to come so low that God had to send somebody to pick up his cross and carry it for him. That's what it took. The whole purpose of the cross, of your cross, I'm not talking about that, I'm talking about that, that thing in your life or those things in your life that are so heavy you can't bear them on. I don't know. It might be a physical thing. Maybe it's physical pain. Maybe it's a, a struggle uh, mentally, a mental health issue. Maybe it's abuse in your past. Maybe it's uh, worries about finances. I don't know what kind of crosses you're carrying. But whatever it is, God is using that to bring you low. So you'll say, God, you have to carry this. I can't. We think we're failing the Lord if we don't stay strong enough. The truth is, we're living in an illusion. That's the truth. Most of the theme of my recent years of life has been God trying to strip me of the illusion of self-reliance. That I can do anything on my own. And you know what? I keep forgetting it over and over and over. And I go right back to trying to do things. On my, I'm, I'm w- wired that way. But God saves you in spite of your wiring. And He can rewire you. Now, this seems like a great paradox. Take up your cross and then at the same time you can't even carry your cross. But God is concerned... Hear me on this. He's concerned not with outcome, but with effort. Sometimes in our religious foolishness, we think God wants us to produce certain outcomes. This church is failing because we haven't grown a certain amount. I've heard preachers say stuff like that. If your church isn't growing, God's not pleased with you. What a stupid thing to say! That's foolish. Because you don't know the mind and heart of God. That is not a metric. What God is pleased with is effort. Are you planting where He's telling you to plant? He's the Lord of the harvest. If He chooses to bring plants up out of the ground, praise His holy name. Don't you take credit for it. Pride goes before a fall, and the heart of a man is haughty before... I worry about that man saying that. I worry for him to have that attitude... That we're doing what we should, so we're getting these results. Results aren't the indicator. Your heart is. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. My, my wife says my sermons aren't suitable for listening to at bedtime. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I got too much in, in here to say it quietly. Quietly. God's more concerned with effort than outcome. And what sort of effort pleases the Lord? Only effort born from and aligned with faith. That's all he cares about. He doesn't care about what you actually accomplish. He cares about whether you're trying in faith. Say, I don't know about this. Well, let me prove it to you with scripture. Abraham believed God, and God accounted it to him for righteousness. It didn't please the Lord most that Abraham got his wife pregnant. That was impossible. It pleased the Lord that Abraham trusted him, and then God did what was impossible. Do you see the difference? Trust God through the trials, have faith in him. He credits that as righteousness. I don't know why your cross is so heavy. I mean, I don't know what you're going through. I'm don't. i I'm sorry, I, like I care. And believe me, sometimes I pray and I say, oh, well, Lord, I wish I could take away some of the hurts of different ones here that I'm aware of. And then things sometimes that I'm not even aware of, but I feel. But here's the truth. God knows I don't. And he may just be waiting for you to get to the point that you lay it down at his feet. Maybe it's been just bad enough that you're still trying to carry it on your own. But not bad enough that you give up all self-reliance. Don't be afraid to fall on the mercy of God. That's part. This, this is where I said if you understand this message, it will be a great relief to you. It doesn't sound like this, this would never make it on the bestseller shelf at a Christian bookstore. It doesn't sound nice. To say part of the goal is to get to the end of yourself and fall down in brokenness and trust the Lord. But that's everything, people. The final part of this verse, and we'll wrap up this message. If any man desires to come after me and be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and what? Follow me. How glorious to be invited to follow Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I want you to understand this part as well. Jesus is not sending you somewhere that He's never been or that He isn't already. He's not giving you assignments that are too hard that He expects you to accomplish on His own or with His help. He's not sending you to do things that are difficult. He's saying, follow me, I'm already there. How beautiful that our Lord, the only thing He wants from a disciple is to go with Him with him always Isn't that beautiful? He's not telling you to go somewhere, do something, accomplish something, make something. He's saying, "Come on. <laughs> come on, come on, child." That's how He looks at us. Isn't that beautiful? And God has taught me so much through having a small child. Um, she enjoys helping us more than just about anything. And sometimes she actually helps. But I don't expect her usually to do things that an adult could do. If I ask her to do something, there's a limitation. She, she only has so big of hands. She only has so much strength. She only has the mental ability to do certain things. The emotional God doesn't expect you to do things he can't, you can't do. He's not calling you to do things that are impossible for you. He's calling you to go with Him. Like a loving father. You think I have criticism to her when we're building something outside and I say, can you go over there and grab that hammer? And amazingly she does. And it takes both hands and she's carrying it and then she drops it. Am I upset? Not one bit. Because I didn't expect her to carry the hammer on her own. God's the same way with us. You say, well, I've been on this path a long time. I should be better than I am. Maybe you should be. But that doesn't change his love for you. That doesn't change his compassion for you. That doesn't change how much he wants you to have a more comfort in your life. No matter how long you've been on this road, or how long you've been doing it, or how much you've been trying to serve the Lord, he doesn't expect you to do it on your own. And you know what? God's not hard on his children. Some people think that they didn't get it from the Bible. Say, well, those he loves, he chastens. That's the verse everybody quotes. If he doesn't chasten them, they're not children. What is the chastening of the Lord? It's this. Take up your cross and carry it. Basically, realize that you can't do it and then give it to me. That's what the Lord's chastening looks like. Love. He's not mean. He's not out to get us. He's not going to make you endure something that you can't endure with his help. But he will bring things to you that you can't endure without him. One of the mantras that people say in religion that's, that's so wrong, God will never give you more than you can handle. Oh, yes, He will. That's the point. You can't handle it. Only He can. My life has been full of things I can't handle. And when I give it to Him, it's not as hard as it was when I was trying to handle it. That's the point. He'll pick up your cross and you and carry you. He calls us to follow Him. This is the end of my message. He calls us to follow Him, not to do anything on our own, just simply to follow Him. Where are we going? Just follow me. What are we going to do when we get there? Just follow me. What's the road going to be like? Just follow me. Do I need shorts or a jacket? Just follow me. (laughs) What tools do I need? Just follow me. (laughs) How do I need to get ready? Just follow me. I'll tell you along the way. Come on. They're beautiful. Just follow me. Simple, simple, simple. That's the message. I love y'all.